Welcome to They Came From Outer Space, a radio program where we talk to filmmakers and buffs about their favorite sci-fi films and how they relate to their own work in today's wild world. I am filmmaker Cameron Kitt, known here on WIR as DJ Lilas, and you're tuned into WIR LP 97.3 FM. I'm here for part two of my discussion with Dan Hoffman, discussing the elements of what makes a science fiction screenplay and story work. Dan, thank you for being here for part two. Oh, thanks a lot. It was it's a great, great fun. <laughs> if you're tuning in and you're just hearing for this for the first time and you want to go back and hear part one, you can find They Came From Outer Space on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, all right. So for those who don't know Dan, he is just incredibly experienced. He has over 20 years of experience doing script doctoring and supporting professional screenplays. He was a script reader when he came out of NYU. He's worked on over more than 60 features and documentaries and TV shows for Paramount, New Line, Focus, Features, HBO. He's worked on FX's big show, The Bridge. He's worked with AMC's show, The Killing. And he's even worked with a handful of Academy Award-winning screenwriters. He currently lives in New York, but works on both coasts, and he runs a wonderful service called Script Counseling, helping writers with detailed advice on how to maximize their reach within a genre. So anyone listening, if COVID has gotten you into the writing mood, but you are really hitting a wall, go to scriptcounseling.com and find out more. Um, So that's actually something I want to talk to you more about within this hour, which is what do you do to help writers and, and in more general terms, how we can diagnose problems within screenplays, because I'm sure that's something you can talk about at length. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, where we left off in, in the first episode, uh, first part of this kind of two-part series, you're talking about the this idea of the core idea, the concept of the idea behind the idea. So for Blade Runner, the idea you pitch to a movie studio is uh, a man who is called a Blade Runner hunting uh, android robots questions whether or not he himself is one right the the questions his own reality but the core idea the idea behind that idea is do (laughs) what is reality what is humanity can you can you change your perception i think i have a quote from philip k dick talking about his story the electric ant dick said again the theme how much of what we call reality is really actually out there or rather within our own head the ending of the story has always frightened me. The image of rushing wind, the sound of emptiness as the character hears the final fate of the world itself. Whoa. Right. <laughs> and yeah, and, and that's actually uh, a very important, you're, you're, you're touching upon a very important point here because um, besides what we already talked about, that this, you know, the, the importance of ideas in science fiction and scientific ideas and speculations and stuff, the, the idea behind the idea. There's also another principle which is extremely important to me when I read uh, science fiction script uh, screenplays and and doctor script uh, screenplays and, and advi- advice writers, which is that a lot of the I- script sc- screenplays I see for science fiction are not really personal to the writer who wrote them, mm. and, that, and that is a monumental problem because if you don't if you don't write about something that's personal to you. You can't really ever hope to convey anything that's real, any any real emotion in it whatsoever. Uh, it just becomes disingenuous. It becomes a thought. This is where a screenplay should not be a thought experiment. So, if you're just interested in in androids and you think that's just really cool, right? You just think androids are cool, but there's nothing personal in the story, right? That is deep and intrinsic to you. You can tell that Dan when you're reading it from page one. How? 
uh, it's not that hard. I mean, it's it, it really, it really, I know it sounds it's 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 really not that hard. It, it's like you know, it's like speed dating, really. You know, you know, it doesn't take more than a couple of minutes actually to 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 tell if you're talking to a real person or whether he's just wow. whether he's just pretending or you know whether he's just whether he's just reading lines off a script or whether he's talking whether you're meeting a real person, you know, that's present and that's there and that's, you know, observant and, and, and talking about his real emotions or whether he's just, you know, you know, reading a script basically, mm, <laughs> you know, and, wow. and, and the same thing is true for screenplays. You know, I, I can very, and it's very easy for a script reader or a screenplay analyst to see, is this real or not? Is this real to the person who wrote it or not? Um, and and that leads me back actually to where we left off with Philip K. Dick. There is a reason. I mean, there is a reason for why I think why Philip K. Dick was so obsessed with this idea that he kept exploring throughout his uh, amazing career. Um, you know, this idea about reality, perception, and reality. What makes a human? What makes reality? And all those questions that he. Uh, so elegantly posed in his story, and that is, of course, because it was a personal question to him. It wasn't. It wasn't a speculative question. For anyone who knows a little bit about, I don't know how much people know about Dick, but but he was uh, throughout his entire adult life uh, extremely challenged by mental illness, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and and it almost crippled him um, to a point where, where he couldn't do anything. Um, and, and so, you know, he was, he was suffering from uh, paranoid schizophrenia and, and, uh, and it is something that kept coming back to him. Um, I think it emerged in his life in, as a young man and, and just kept on coming back and growing and eventually came out of control. Um, and, um, so it was a very important idea for him because he 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 was a you know because of his mental illness he was constantly confronted by things that he saw experienced and thought that that couldn't be real and yet you know that had had to be a result of his his collapsing brain uh, but but at but he never I mean, but he always questioned whether that was true or not whether it actually was some kind of reality. But you know what's so cool though is that that mental illness which a lot of people would perceive as detraction in your life right philip kiddick is famous for saying mental illness is not funny actually blessed us as if he were a modern shaman with these images and visions and stories that are some of the most lasting and he's probably the most prolific uh, novel to film adapter known in current film i mean his his mental illness gave us blade runner his mental illness gave us total recall and and minority report and dozens of others that stories that are supremely important to our our culture yes you know yes and i think you know that that you know the same thing can possibly be said about so many brilliant um writers and composers and whatnot throughout the history of mankind i mean i think i think for a lot of these geniuses i think they were plagued with mental illness even isaac newton famously was was you know suffering with mental illness um, I didn't know that. um and and um and uh, I think the difference, I, I think what saved these people was that they were able to channel these things out through their literature, through their art, or through their okay. works. works. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that for, for Philip K. Dick, that was writing was, was a kind of way of trying to distance himself from his, his own mind. Um, so you can tell early on in a script if it feels like a flimsy shack that's being put up to push some idea for it, or if it is truly 
a an interrogation of a of a concept that is inimitable to your life. Yeah, I mean, and and again, it's it's not really that hard to do. It, it's it's you know, am I am I am I talking to a person who's who's you know who's honest with me or not? Uh, huh. um, and um, for instance, let I mean, let me give you an example. Um, um, I don't know if you've seen um, Man of Steel, the Superman movie. I have. Uh, and I've seen a lot of. I mean, obviously, there you know, Superman is, some, is a car- fictional character that's been done so many times. Like even even back to the fifties, where it was a, a TV series, right? Uh, so it's been you know it's been been done and re- remade and whatnot. And 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 so I when I went to see it, um, I was you know like kind of not expecting what I saw because I was expecting like the usual kind of trite Superman-ish thing. And then the bullets bounce off and instead there's like crying, you know? (laughs) And instead, you know, I was, I was, I was, you know, really blown away by, by the realism of it, by the emotional realism of this, that because if, you know, this is not a story about Superman, the superhero, this is a story about a boy who was, you know, being bullied and having, having thought, I mean, feeling that he was different, which is something all teenagers feel. And, and, um, and, you know, being scared about who he was and insecure about you know his you know himself and all those things and i just realized this this is not something that was made up you immediately recognize this is not fiction this mm. is this, this is someone's emotional reality this is someone's emotional recollection and 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 that's you know that's where you want to be when you read a screenplay. You want you want to feel that you're in touch. You're, you're you know you on the on the receiving end of a, of, an, of an emotional communication, and you can't be that if it's not genuine. Oh, this is the same man who wrote David Goyer. He wrote The Dark Knight, as well as Blade. Yes, right. Wow. So. And 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 this is something I always come back to. Uh, when reading screenplays and when, when doctoring scripts uh, as well, you, you, you can't really get around that this is someone's really, you know, someone's personal experience, even though it's fiction. Uh, you know, fiction is, in fact, you might you might as well look at fiction as a kind of as a kind of way to uh, to approach reality in a, in a concealed in a concealed form. Mm-hmm. For me, there is, in, in short, there is not no such thing as fiction. <laughs> fiction, wow. um, you know. Perhaps the only fiction that really exists is the idea of fiction, that, that fiction exists. I think if, if fiction is to make an impact on anyone who watches it or reads it, it has to be about something that's emotionally true. Otherwise, how do we, how do we connect to it? You know, why do we connect to it? You know, um, I, think, I think... Maybe dreams are fiction because there's no emotional arc. Okay. I think I think yeah right yeah um, I think William Goldman the screenwriter the famous screenwriter William Goldman he uh, was the first one actually to, to make me realize that when I read his book like you know many many years ago thirty years ago so he wrote this book wonderful book called Adventures in the Screen Trade mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's not really I mean it's disappointing on on one level because you think it's a book about screenwriting and yet it isn't and yet it is <laughs> um, you know it's because and what he what he says there is he 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 makes this very interesting distinction between comic book stories and real comic book stories um, yeah. right it's like you know if something is just pretense you know uh, he calls it a comic book you know it's not, it has no root it has no basis in reality it's, and and of course in what, what when he defines he defines reality as emotional reality 
this is you know and this is what we, sh we should all do we should all you know as writers we should all immediately recognize that there is no such thing so we're writing about our own emotions but in a in a disguise under a disguise under you know under the pretense of fiction but it's mm. but it's actually one big you know all fictional stories that are really great are actually at that level they work as metaphors for something that is emotionally true and that's why they have an impact that's why fiction has an, such a huge impact on us and if you don't, if you don't, if you ignore or are not realizing that basic, for me, very, very basic principle, you're really not able, you can write the you know, most interesting story with the most interesting tw twists and whatnot, um, but nobody really would care about it because it doesn't resonate with anyone. Um, mm. So I, I think, I think um, for that reason, I think, uh, you know, I think uh, that uh, fiction has to be about an emotional reality um, that is true. Um, it's, it's, and that's why Man of Steel works is because underneath, underneath this uh, Superman story is this bedrock of vulnerability and inability to fit in and concern. Right, this, it's something you can we can all relate to within his character, even though he's an alien who's invulnerable to human, right. <laughs> like his weapon. Right, it, it's like, uh, and if you, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And 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 um, like one one example, and this is like borderline sci-fi, I guess you could call it sci-fi, but it's a mixture of sci-fi and horror. If you look at, let's say, um, story like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Love it. So good. If you look, at, if you compare those movies, you, you, which I hope you will do, uh, you know, you, you get a good idea of what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, um, if you look at the first movie, you, will, you realize that there is a specific emotional subtext to that movie. Which which um, relates to the nineteen fifties you know, fear of you know of communism. Yes. Um, yes. But that was no longer relevant in the nineteen seventies, right? So they had to, to sort of change the story to make it about something that's relevant was relevant to 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 somebody <laughs> in the nineteen seventies, which is why the nineteen seventies uh, Kaufman version of the, uh, of the of the of the story became basically a story about you know human alienation. Mm. emotional alienation and 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 that that resonated a lot with people in the 70s and that that's you know so you always have to realize that story at the core of this of your story whatever sort there has to be an emotional reality that's relevant to somebody and that somebody better first of all be you the writer wow beautifully said i have to say i was really surprised by how good the 1956 version was when i watched it yeah it's a great it's a, it was it, because it was so emotionally pure and and sharp, because that fear of being taken over by communists it was real, even though, you know, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, it was. It's a well done film because it, you can feel their fear all the way through it. Yes. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. So, when you read a when you read a screenplay, regardless of its genre, and you're not sensing anything that's emotionally true. How do you work with writers to help? Can you, is it possible to even go back and insert something like that once you've written a screenplay or is it just worth, is it more better to just start over? It, it's highly, highly possible uh, without, without having to be a psychoanalyst. An, an, and I, I don't, you know, I don't usually take an interest in the writer's personal history because that's beside the point. What, you know, what I'm trying to do is uh, what I'm doing uh, in my work is I'm, I'm, 
I'm trying to fix plots. I'm trying to fix dialogue and, you know, try to fix all those problems that can be in a screenplay. But at the core of all those problems are emotions because Mm -hmm. the purpose of plot is to elicit certain emotions at certain specific points of time in the story. You know, that's, that's the main purpose of plot. You know, the, a, plot, a plot is a sequence of events. And why choose one sequence over another? Why can't we just flip this? Why can't scene two be seen one and so on? For emotional reasons. What, 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 you know, um, that, you know, you choose the sequence or the order of events that has the, the, that, that um, promulgates a specific emotional impact at a, at a specific time in the story. And, 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 and so... Um, I don't even know if that answers your question. I don't think it did. Uh, but no, you're saying yes. You absolutely can insert emotional beats if there are none, right? Like that, it can be resuscitated if you have a really cool idea about androids, but there's nothing that feels like you're talking to a real person. You can insert real person. Is that is that correct? Yes, but it, yeah, in in a way, I, <laughs> yeah. Although it's it's a little bit, it's a little more complicated than that. But but yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you infuse some reality. No, I think yeah. I guess my yeah. You did answer my question, which is, do you need to start over if there's nothing true in your screenplay? And you sounded like the answer was no, but maybe not always. Uh, some sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Um, but at, at least at some point, you have to uh, in your in your de- developing your screen, you have to sort of pose the question to yourself. If not, if no, if no one else, then you know w- what what is this story really about for me, and how does this relate to me as a writer? Um, you know, oh, it seems so obvious. <laughs> it seems so obvious, but gosh, I haven't. The screenplay I'm working on, I haven't. I have. I think I've tried to answer that, but I've never answered it so right. obviously. Right. I mean, what? Why does it matter to me as a person? Interesting. The, the strange. I mean, the strange, um, but obviously true fact about reality, or you know, uh, is that we are. We are. And I know this sounds hugely pessimistic. It is not meant to be. Uh, <laughs> is that we are all alone? We only, you know, mm-hmm. we can only in, 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 in and and uh, and uh, in terms of writing, that means you can actually only write about yourself, um, mm. because that's the only person who you have a true intimate relationship with, as far as emotions, and and uh, and um, and the only person you really know, or I mean, tries to know, I would say. Um, um, you know, so so you, so at the end of the day, I mean, you can only really write about yourself. The problem is that most spec writers don't even do that. Is uh, you mean take the time to write about themselves for each character? No, I mean, and every any 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 story that you've read that had any impact on you, you know, had probably had that impact because it was it was on it was an honest story. It was it was written from somebody's emotional perspective. Like like we said about Dick before, he he was writing about his own fears of, of reality and so on. And and only because he had those fears uh, were he able to communicate them effectively in a way that I would that I can understand them. I mean, it's mm. it's just it's just it, for me, it's very basic. It's about emotional communication. You can't really fake emotional communication. Um, you can't do it very well um, because you're, you're, you know, all, you know, every kind of writing is actually what, what it basically is, is just communicate. You're basically communicating your own emotions and you're using fiction as a kind of uh, a method to do that. Mm. Right. Right. Uh, imagine. This is so deep. This is 
the question is if you don't really feel if you don't have an emotional connection to to what you're writing how do you expect me as a reader to have that if you don't even mm-hmm. have it yourself mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. wow i mean it's something we experience every day actually without perhaps even thinking about it too much i mean it's like every time you go into a store and somebody tries to sell you something you can really you can tell whether it's it's just a sales pitch or whether you know the salesperson is actually you know personally engaged in the product or it has a personal relationship to it uh mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's not that hard to to tell and so if a script goes from a script writer, it's bought by a studio, and then the studio decides that they want to do rewrites. That rewrite author has a challenge because they have to then figure out how to insert themselves emotionally into something they didn't write, right? And you think that that makes scripts better or worse? Right. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. Now we're talking about you know how how the script you know, script development process is. And, and 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 which is something you know I do for a living, and and um, there are a number of ways to go about that, you know. And and first of all, I think most most producers will will try to try if they can try to work with the original writer who wrote it, and and try you know using a you know screenplay analyst like me to give to give you know screenplay notes about what needs to be changed and why, and and and. Um, but at some point, if they can't do that, if they feel that you know there's not, it's not really honest. It's not coming from a place of honesty, and, and the writer can't pull it off somehow. They will have to bring in someone else to do a rewrite, uh, which is like a, either a script doctor or, or a completely different screenwriter. Is that common? Very, very common. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. most 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 scripts are a script doctor to some extent. So it probably doesn't make them worse then. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Uh, um, sometimes it does. Um, but yeah, that, that, that is, the, you know, people often ask me about this, about, you know, the number of rewrites it takes to, to, to write a script. And, and it's, uh, the honest answer, I, re- I really don't know because um, the script, when I see it, when a studio approaches me to work on a script, um, I don't know how many rewrites it went through before it got to me, so right. um, uh, or at least be- before it got to the studio. Um, so the, you know, the writer could have done a number of screen, you know, rewrites himself or herself before she, you know, uh, ventured forward and, and presented and presented it to the studio, which is you know. So I don't know what you know what what came before that, but I know that you know once the studio. Um, decides to option it or develop it, it goes through between 15 to 20 rewrites mm. um, before it, it's, before it's okayed, it's greenlit. Um, and, um, and those rewrites can be quite dramatic, quite extensive. You know, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of writers don't realize what a rewrite is, unfortunately. They think, you know, yeah, I've rewritten my script, you know, which in their mind is, you know, I've, I've Changed a few commas here and there, um, <laughs> you know. I, I, you know, I did erase two scenes, and then it's a re- no. It's not. That's not a rewrite. I mean, that, that uh, rewriting. I mean, I know Sid Field famously said this, but right, and it's so true that writing is rewriting. I don't. Pe- I don't think people are really. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, the painful part. That's writing. I don't think people really realize how much that is true and what it really means. Right. Okay. And, what does it really mean? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, Sorry. It, 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 it means that 
the first couple in the first couple of drafts of Alien, the main character was a guy. It was actually Dallas, who's now in the present movie, the captain of the ship. Mm. Um, and um, it was basically a romance in space. So he had a love affair with with Ripley. What? Yes, and uh, I would have ruined it. <laughs> I agree. Uh, <laughs> which is why we have rewrites, right? <laughs> Okay, yeah, bless the rewrites on Alien. Bless them. <laughs> yeah, I'm and, so pleased. And and you know, in the first the first couple of early treatments for Back to the Future, Marty didn't have to didn't go back to the future. Um, that was something that came later on, um, and once it did, they realized that they had to do a number of rewrites to to make that to make that um, value. I mean, to to make that it's work. Made in the past in the original drafts. Is that what you're saying? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. And and so once they realized that they need to get him back to the future, uh, that was you know because there wasn't any really. If you think about the, I mean, if you think about the, there there isn't really any reason why he should. I mean, he could you could you know theoretically go back uh, in into the nineteen fifties, right? And you can live a perfectly fine life in the nineteen fifties. A lot of people did, <laughs> and and uh, without having to go back. So so they would have to come up. They had to come up with reasons why why that would force. Force Marty to to go who want to go back, and one one idea was of course that and he he was engaged to be married and he had like a girlfriend in, in the present that he wanted to go you know, come back to, but that wasn't strong enough. So they they invented the whole idea about you know with Doc being being assassinated by Libyan terrorists, and then you know Marty could go he should go back you know could you know it forces Marty to go back to save his friend before before the, before it happened, uh, you know. But that that was that's rewriting. It's just so funny. I'm glad. Thank you for bringing that up because it helps me recognize that what I think of and what the traditional movie going audience in the world thinks of, we don't think about all the work in the back end that goes into the sausage. You think of if that story had ended with him in the 50s, there would be no resolution. There'd be no reason to watch the movie. Right, exactly. There's no plot. Like the whole point is that (laughs) you have this going back right you have to go back the stress the, the time crunch like the, the movie doesn't even make sense <laughs> right exactly and and, and 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 also um imagine if the first draft of the first treatment of that movie had been realized i mean you you would have like like you like you said no plot real plot interesting plot at least but you would also have a lot of other things that would be hugely strange like you know the time machine itself as you probably know or a lot of people know that uh was not was not the delorean Right. That's something that came rather late. Actually, in one of the last, some of the last drafts, uh, the original time machine in, in Back to the Future was a refrigerator. Okay, but that's kind of fun. <laughs> the only, the only reason, and they, they, they were so in love with that idea. It's a fun idea. Uh, the only reason why they changed it was that out of they, they became uh, worried that you know that young kids that saw that movie might you know be inspired to lock themselves up into an actual refrigerator. That was actually really valid and probably would have happened. <laughs> probably would have happened. I mean, I remember reading after Finding Nemo came out that there was a huge rash of of, of authorities and, and water authorities dealing with people flushing their fish down the toilet, thinking that that would set them free. Yes, um, that happens in the film. Right, so kids take their goldfish and dumped it in the toilet and said, "You know, go be free." And instead, it was <laughs> causing municipal clogs. Right. <laughs> yes. Right, and that—that's always a, like a sort of moral obligation that we have. You know, us you know, that work with movie, we have to think about these things because there's always somebody who's that stupid. <laughs> um, 
I remember I remember I thoroughly enjoyed like an old uh, episode of The Simpsons where you know uh, he was watching uh, you know uh, he was watching television and he saw an ad for some kind of medicine I don't know what it was um uh, and then you know as all ads have they it ended with this disclaimer you know should not be eaten should not this should not be eaten or something like that, you know like uh And uh, and then Simpson being you know being uh, then Homer being Homer right, he, he shouted out loud, "You see, you see, because of me they have a warning now." Because uh, <laughs> you always wonder who who is that person that made them that forced the company to do this to this claim. Yeah, do not fly airplanes or operate heavy machinery or take if you're pregnant. That's so funny. Yeah, you see, you see, that's so good. Uh, so let me take a quick break. You are listening to They Came From Outer Space here on WRARLP 97.3 FM. I am Cameron Kitt. I'm here speaking with script doctor Dan Hoffman about elements of script writing, screenplays, and what makes a good science fiction story. Wow. So a lot of really good juice so far here. I just want to talk about what are the... What are the basic beats that separate a sci-fi film from others? Do they have different beats or just, is it the same? Right. right. Yeah. That's a really great question. Um, the, the answer to that is perhaps a bit surprising uh, um, is, is because it's, you know, science fiction is not an actual genre. That's an interest. I mean, I know, you know, it's it it it's not a genre. I mean, of course, it's a genre, you know, uh, but it's not a genre that stands on its own merit. Um, mm -hmm. it, and there are certain there are a number of genres that are like that. That are like that. Science fiction only works when it's it's combined with with the rules of another genre. Uh, it's like cranberry juice. It works better with other yeah. fruit flavors. <laughs> exactly right. So so you know, you can have you know, and 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 sort of science fiction depends on science fiction. Great science fiction depends on 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 other genre for its dramatic structure. Um, mm. Sort of you can so you can have sort of like a science fiction thriller. You can have a science fiction horror movie like Alien. Um, mm -hmm. um, and even when that's not true, it's dependent on the rules that govern. The different forms of the different plot forms that exist, which are very, very precisely defined. Um, like, let's say, uh, maybe Interstellar, um, mm -hmm. which is as far, you know, which is as I haven't seen it in a long time. I loved the movie, but I haven't seen it in a long time. But as I, as I remember it, it, it's basically a quest plot, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, and 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 once you realize that, as a, that's the first thing I think you should realize as a writer, because um, that will help you enormously to think what 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 plot is this there are only mm -hmm. there are only a number of plots it can be um and uh, all those plots are governed by specific rules things that that has to happen at certain specific times for the plot to work you know uh, so once you realize that you are dealing with a quest plot right somebody has to find something within a given time frame you know it can be an object Um, mm -hmm. like Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, mm -hmm. or, um, or it can be a person, uh, like you know, like Interstellar. Um, it doesn't really matter to me. The, what matters to me is this is a this is a quest plot, and then you have certain beats that goes with that quest plot. Somebody is missing, so so the inciting incident. Somebody goes. Somebody there's a relationship between two characters. Then one they get separated. One character is missing, and then that that leads to to. Uh, the main you know establishing the main the main 
objective of the main character, which is the quest. How do I, you know? And then you have all the obstacles, which now has to be obstacles that will prevent the character from finding uh-huh. the quest. So, so it's and you can go through, you can go through these beats uh, one at a time if you want to, but just know that you know um, all these plots are governed by by specific, let's say, rules. And and so if it's a sci-fi thriller, then there are completely different rules, you know. Because what is what is a thriller? And again, thriller is a very is a is one of those genres that uh, that have ha, that ha, con, contains its own plot forms, that contains its own structural elements, um, unlike science fiction, for instance. Um, um, and so you can you can you can actually say something you know intelligent about you know um, how to fix the plot if it's a science fiction thriller because you're using the beats. That works for 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 the beats and platforms that works in the thriller genre, um, and a lot of science fiction movies are in are you know not all of them but a lot of them are in fact thrillers, right? What are the thriller plot points traditionally? Oh my god! I mean that that is such a huge topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just keep laughing at you because you're so good at answering them. I can't help it. <laughs> uh, it's it's I I you know. Let me, I, I can't. It's such a huge topic. I can't answer it short. I mean, briefly. Uh, what what I will say though is, it's it's like I, I see genres as, as I can you know in order to understand the magnitude of your question, <laughs> uh, I see genres as languages. So so so, so um, what you're basically asking me is like, can you please summarize in a few words what constitutes the English language? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I, 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 I take my question back. <laughs> it, 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 you know, every 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 genre is is uh, governed by specific plot forms, specific uh, which like you know specific plot forms and and specific structural elements, specific genre conventions. You know, which you can compare to. In, compared to an actual language, a language has, you know, you can look in a dictionary over the English language and, and realize that, you know, you, you have a number of elements, which we call words. And yes, in every genre has certain elements, you know, genre conventions. Um, that That is true for one specific genre only. And, and then you have grammar, right? The rules of how to put those things together in, in a way that makes sense to somebody. So it's a huge topic. <laughs> no, I, I think I completely understand. And the, there, just like there are, you know, billions of humans uh, or millions of humans on Earth. There's not billions. There are millions of humans on Earth. There's also many ways to tell stories. We have structure, but there's also, you know, multiple ways to tell a thriller. And there's not a single structure that is ubiquitous. It's all, yeah, right. And it, it all, it all, for me, it all comes down to intention. Right, uh-huh. you know, because it's it's sort of I mean, and and here I mean uh, the comparison with language is a valid one, I think, um, a use a useful one, because um, depending on how you rephrase you phrase a certain sentence, it 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 has different meanings, right? Yes, you know, and and it's sort of like you know like that old Groucho Marx uh, line where he said, you know, um, you know, yesterday I shot a moose in my pajamas. How it got into my pajamas, I will never know. Um, uh-huh. You know. <laughs> It's like a Yogi Berra line, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's very interesting. It's, it's actually a very interesting sentence in a way because, uh, you know, he has one specific intent. You know, we all know what he was trying to say, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
and 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 he, and he was using the right words, but not in the right order. <laughs> That's a really. This is really. This is making me think of a lot of things. Which is back to our first episode. Which is remind yourself, ask yourself why this truly needs to be the genre that you're attached to. And I'm sure very often in science fiction, I'm sure I'm falling into the same trap. The reasoning is not very strong beyond the fact that you think it's cool. Right. Right. Well, it's cool. You know, it's a cool factor, and it's not necessarily there for the heart of the story. And have you ever been able to convince a scriptwriter to completely change their genre or their their approach? Yes, many. When they really like the story, many, you know? many, many times. Interesting. Um, yes, because you know, because the way I do script doctoring and and the way you know, because I'm, I I see myself more you know as a screenplay analyst, so and I try to be. Having said that, what 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 that means is for me is is that I'm trying I try to be so objective as I can. I I, just, I try not to impose you know in you know my own personal, let's say you know, uh, preferences as a writer. It's not about how I think your story should look like. You know, it's not my story to write. I I'm helping you become a better writer. So it's not about how I would have written the story. That's completely beside the point. I'm trying to. Um, help you as a writer um let's say uh, realize your intentions with the story and that that's a very important distinction for me to make you know because and 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 that that leads me to say that we have to talk when we talk about you know when we talk about a script you have to i have to sort of when i read a script i have to sort of be able to deduce what is your intention as a writer and and then we can then because then we have a common frame of reference right um you know is this is this movie supposed to be scary? If so, you've just failed, <laughs> right? Or you've succeeded. Um, you know, it, it. We can talk about intention. That that's a way to to address screenwriting. I think. You know, what is your intention with this story? What is your intention with this scene? What is your intention with this character? And whether and then we can talk about whether that that intention is met or not. Whether that translates or not. Um. You know that that's that's how you can you know um, that's how I work with it at least uh, if that makes any sense. No, it is, and it's it's refreshing. You, you you need not be aware of your own intention with a story when you write the first draft or if you write your your synopsis or your logline. Um, mm. uh, but at some point during the development of your script or, or the rewriting, it's just you need at some point you need to be aware of what is my intention, and once you realize that. That will change everything, and and uh, that sure should change everything, right? And it's like famously, I think uh, Stephen King once said that you know the, the way that he works is like uh, you know he writes one you know he 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 hammers out a, you know a quick draft to a novel within a very quick short you know short time span, and then he puts it away for a long time, and then he looks at it again after a long time, and then you know he reads it, and, and now that he looks at it again, he he's able to see it as a reader. Uh, because he's become that detached from it, uh, because so long, you know, the passing of time and so on, and and now and then and then what he what he does is that he he he, he basically he reads his own novel with one basic question in mind: What is this story really about? What am I trying to say here? What is my intention? Not what the plot is about. What is what is the deeper intention with it? And do I meet that intention or not? Um, and that's basically what I did. 
That's beautifully said. Of course, on top of that, there's more that goes into it that makes Stephen King such a good writer, but that's beautiful because he's not just hammering it out. He gives it time to understand his intention and then realize that. And I'm sure that that comes back to what we've been saying about truth is once you realize what you're really trying to say, then the truth will come out easily, right? The honesty, the emotional. You said your people, when they're writing, we're just trying to convey our emotions. It's almost like being better at communicating, right? Yeah. How do I become a better, more effective communicator in real life? Is wondering, well, what do I really want here, right? I yes. read this book, Crucial Conversations, recently, and that was one of the things they meant is that next time you're in the middle of a fight with someone, before you keep pushing to just get whatever it is you want, ask yourself, what do you really want? Yes. Right. And I suddenly it changed my conversations with everyone in my life because I would realize I was just pushing to to win instead of saying, well, actually, I'd rather have a better relationship with my colleague, you know, right. or whatever it is. Right. Exactly. Maybe what do I really want here. And maybe that's the same thing for scripts. What do I really want here versus what am I trying to do on the surface? Right. And and it's 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 uh, it's something that that waste. Uh, I mean, that, that creates a lot of problems for scripts, you know, uh, um scripts that then become unfocused you know that has you know that doesn't really have a strong direction and that's all or, or you know other or other problems similar to that or you know turning points that leads the story in a completely opposite direction which is actually not the same story anymore not becomes a different story and so on all the and 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 um, and that's all because of lack of intention right or lack of awareness of, of intention uh, and 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 screenwriting is such a deeply, deeply economical uh, art form, you know, because everything you put on paper costs a lot of money to put on the screen, and 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 so for that reason, everyone involved in the in you know in in making it a reality, making your movie a reality, will be intensely aware of that those extra costs, especially producers. I and mean, producers love to cut things out that are not necessary. Uh, and and uh, you know before they start you know shooting it or you know so so um, and and uh, even if you happen to have a scene in there that's really not to somehow slip through the uh, <laughs> the cracks right uh, the producer didn't realize that this scene didn't have any intention or any purpose uh, or didn't do anything for the overall movie even if that slipped through his or her intention the producer intention you know the director will pick up on it when he's standing there on on the set or if the, he if, or if she doesn't realize it the director good catch good catch <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's interesting because I was wondering, like, whose job is it really to recognize? Because on the other hand, I was going to pose the question to you: Well, if that's happening, why why is every movie two hours and fourteen minutes now? Like, right? <laughs> are they really cutting it? Because I'm I'm personally quite I don't know about your feelings about length, but I'm I'm sad about the the death of the ninety minute movie. Yeah, um, oh, oh, me too. Me too. I mean, uh, I I feel. I mean, this is a very tangible pain in my life <laughs> because. <laughs> A length problem? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you said, like you're absolutely right. Movies have become, you know, far too long, uh, and and for and for and problem. The problem for me is is, is that uh, the reasons for that um, have nothing to do with the story itself, uh, because obviously a story can be told very effectively and with a much stronger emotional impact if it was shorter. Um, and uh, in many cases, the only reason, the only real reason as to why movies have become longer is that, you know, the mo- the media as a whole is being threatened, right? You know, people don't have a good reason to go to the theater anymore. 
uh, because they have their home theaters. Uh, and um, so it's, a, you know, there's a competition going on, of course, between, between you know, s- streaming, you know, and between television like Flow TV, uh, between, you know, gaming and you know, all sorts of other medias and movies. It's becoming harder and harder for, for you know, film companies to, to persuade people to, to go to the theater. And, 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 yeah. and, one of, and one of those parameters they, they, they've launched, you know, that they, they can work on then is length, you know. Um, you know, to give something people, to give some, some, you know, people some, you know, value for their buck, so to speak, you know. Gosh, because all I think about is how many times I go to the bathroom and that I'm not getting enough value. I, I haven't thought about it in relationship to the film. The, yeah, that you, I guess you could pause it. But rather, I feel like it's an insensitive approach to the audience to assume that I have two and a half hours to spare. Interstellar is a great example. It's over two hours. I think it's closer to two and a half hours. And I find that arrogant. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. your expectation is that I'm going to give up two and a half hours of my life for you on a whim. I mean, it's just- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I feel the same way. It's 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 uh, it's uh, deeply annoying in, in a way, you know, because it's like this is two hours I'm never getting back. <laughs> <laughs> Ninety minutes I can justify it, not never getting back. For some reason, two hour mark is is unjustifiable, right? Like that's right. A- I don't know. There's there's some there's some depth that I don't understand there. But you know, my first job was at working at a movie theater, and so that had a lot that instilled a lot in me. That there's a lot that you learn simply by watching what films are in theaters, how long they're in, and how many people go to them, right? Yes. And you, it's similar to like Terrence, you know, working in a, a, a film shop, right, a video store. You, you learn a lot by watching the public, and in a way that IMDb wow. doesn't teach. Yeah, that's right? that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm thinking about length a lot because it, it aggravates me, <laughs> right? You know, because you know our life is so so uh, our lives are so short, and uh, and and I know at some point, um, and I and in the I hope what 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 I hope to be in the distant future, but some at some point I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be there on my deathbed, and um, and time is running out, and I don't want my last thought to be if I only had not seen the last hour of that movie i would have had one, I, I would have had one hour more now <laughs> yeah, if i hadn't watched the entire hobbit trilogy i could have saved myself seven hours of my life right. that i could have used in a more valuable way yeah that's I, I guess yeah it's something we all complain about and i i don't know what it would take to change it but i think making a shorter film is brave it's also incredibly hard you know i work in animation and i work with a lot of corporate clients and it's the same kind of thing everyone says they want a 90 second video and when it comes down to it the average video length we make is four minutes right yeah um it's very hard to be critic to be so critical enough to to be willing to cut out your babies right the first cut out your babies wow. uh sure <laughs> but you know when i've read in the five-step rewrites and i read a lot online is you know the first step of the rewrite is cut down 20 pages you know that's just that thought alone is so terrifying uh, wow i what about things that i thought were so important um, but anyway, so we'll, the last thing I want to ask you about, Dan, is the industry and where, you know, you've been in this industry for 20 years. And yeah. What do you think is the most interesting and exciting thing that's going to be happening in the next 10 to 20 years? Wow, that's that's a really interesting question. Another question. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> um, 
it's 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 as I said before, it's really hard to predict <laughs> the future. I don't know. Right right now, um, we you know we're, we we are in it. No, no matter whether we like it or not, we we are in a situation where where the film industry as such is facing a huge crisis. Not just because of Corona, but also you know because of competition from from television, competition from from Netflix, competition from uh, games like you know Xbox and whatnot. Uh, um, you know, so a lot of people are worried that if there is a future for films, I think there is. I think you know, um, I don't know what the future will bring. I hope I can say what I hope it will bring, which is uh, uh, better stories, because I think mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's what that's what made this industry in the first place. Um, you know, and and I think eventually, if the movie industry you know will survive it it has to be because of great stories mm-hmm. uh, um cuz that's what made and 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 for that you know to happen there has to be a, like a, a bigger and more important focus on 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 the on, on the importance of story um you know the, the you know what the film industry doesn't re- i think realize uh, is that the crisis that that they're facing right now is is because of that you know people you know stories have gotten increasingly worse over the years and because of that people are looking for other venues to satisfy their story needs which can be television television or even computer games or something else um because the cinema has failed i think to to meet to meet to meet those those criteria Uh, the rise the re the reinvigoration of tabletop gaming could be um, uh, followed back to Disney's overproduction of their same content. <laughs> right. I'm, I didn't thought about that. Like we're yearning for better stories, and you're absolutely right about gaming. That you know, people are choosing to, to spend their screen time in more active ways because they're being offered that. Yes. Uh, yeah. And also because of you know, um, yeah. I, what, what I'm trying to say is, is you know, I, I was uh, a number of years ago when Blair Witch Project came out, I was very positively, you know invigorated because i thought that this this was this was the right direction in, in a way because this this they were just scaling back all the effects into you know what what is like core story you know they were, they were the bone marrows of what a story is and and uh and that had a huge impact on a lot of people became as you know a hugely successful movie and yes. and and i think that that's that's what producers should learn from <laughs> right you know uh, getting back to the getting back to basics getting back to to focusing on the story and not just who's in it or the special effects um but it's not it's not an either or situation you can do both uh, mm. you know um and i think you should do both i think it's 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 naive to think that you know uh, we will watch you know um low-budget movies, you know, um, as a big, you know, that it will ever become a big thing. I don't think it will, but, but, but the, you know, there can still be a lot of folk. And I, and I, so the future that I hope um, is that, you know, that will become more of a focus, focus point. And, and right now it's, it's, and I think this is perhaps, a, you know, really surprising to many, a lot of screenwriters, but, um, you know, screenwriters, of course, because you know, screenwriters think about stories a lot, right? They're always, you know, if you had any, if you had any lessons on screenwriting, um, you've you, you've learned that that screenwriting is all about story, story, and story, right? Story yeah, yes. yeah, and 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 that is, of course, how it should be. That's how a screenwriter should think about uh, stories. But the, you know, the interesting thing is that the movie industry does not necessarily agree. <laughs> uh, producers f- for sure don't 
Mm. Um, they think uh, the way they think about stories um, is a different way. It's not entirely different, but it's, it's, there's a different. They think about genres first and foremost, um, and whether the str- the concept is strong enough, whether the the dramatic engine that 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 runs through the story is strong enough. Ah, that's the fundamental rub here, isn't it? Yes, and and um, and then they think about other things. They think about who's in it, and and you know about you know, product value, you know product you know value, and a lot of other things. Um, but not necessarily story. Um, in, in the same, at least in the same way, the screenwriters do. Wow, I have to say that's about as good as I could hope for a way to wrap this up. Which is, remember, anyone who works in the industry is listening. to This story is more important than anyone attached to it, than any effects and any genre. Right. Always. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I totally agree. And and uh, hey, one one thing I wanted to say actually. Uh, when when you asked me to do, I mean, when we agreed to do this, um, one thing about science fiction that I think is important, an important thing to to convey to people, um, is is you know if you re- if you read anything, I mean, if you if you Google or if you read, you go to Barnes and Noble, really trying to find a book about science, writing science fiction, um, what you will find is that most of these books um, put a lot of emphasis on world building. Yes. And and for me and and I can say I think on behalf of the industry, world building is the least important thing in a screenplay, not the most. What? Not the most important thing. Okay. And well, with with one minute left, can you explain why? <laughs> because the world is just the backdrop. You know, it, mm. you know, it's, it, you know, the world has to worry if you know, the world is something that. That comes out of necessity. If if your story requires that your main character discovers that he's a robot, then obviously we're in a world where robots look like human beings. That's that's all there is to say about that. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to create. You know, you don't have to create a whole world around it. It's 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 make believe, right? It's like a Hollywood set. If you've ever been to a Hollywood set, and you've got walked down, if you went, if you've been to like say Warner, the back lot of Warner Brothers and and uh, Warner Studios, and and you walk down Fifth Avenue of New York, it really looks convincing from one perspective only <laughs> from one angle on once you, once you look uh, just slightly to the right you will realize that it, there's like cardboard there holding it up uh, and that's what a world in a, in a science fiction story is it's not actually you don't actually need to create a whole world with this political system and, and you have to work on they these rules the rules that you that you put in place to to create your world has to be dramatic rules they they are there only to 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 create the drama the tension of the story and and mm. you know it's like going going back to to uh, something we've discussed before here like superman like the super it gives you a very good example of 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 how the world came about in superman uh, you know when jerry siegel and joe shuster you don't want to lose them right because if you start it's basically uh, what's the word exposition world building is just exposition right you don't need to be told. You can be shown. Yeah, and and you know there are rules that govern the universe of Superman, and the, and those rules are there for only one reason. I mean, they wrote. The, you know, if you know the story about how they created Superman, I mean, the thing is that in the first many episodes of the comic book Superman, Superman could do anything he wanted to. He has superpowers, the amazing superpowers, right? And then they realized, the more he can do, the less interesting it is. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you know, because there's there's no downside, there's no weakness, nothing can harm him or hurt him. So why would you? So, so that's just right there eliminates the possibility of suspense because suspense is all about will he make it or won't he make it? You know, how will he survive? And if he if he's a character that that is like you know uh, indestructible, there can be no there can be no question about whether he'll make it or not. He will always make it. And and then, and, and as soon as Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster realize that they need they realize that they had a need for rules to make it dramatic, not to build a world. So they invented kryptonite, you know, um, which, you know, which uh, puts, a, you know, puts limitations on his powers. And that's what world building is all about. It's, it's, it's you're creating a world to create um, tension in the story, to create uh, dramatic narrative, to create dramatic limitations. Yeah, don't focus on world building for the sake of world building, only right. world building that supports character development of the story you're telling right like if it's an android story i don't need to know everything about the geopolitical state uh unless it's directly relevant to the story exactly and and, and i see that in, in, in unfortunately a lot of bad spec script that what i see here is not, this is actually the first thought that reaches me uh, the first thought that i have when i see, read these scripts off is often this is not a screenplay this is just somebody this is somebody's escapism Right. I'm sure there's a lot of that being written right now. It's just, it's just somebody, <laughs> you know, uh, getting off on some kind of fantasy that they have, uh, and you know, and the more detailed that world is, you know, I, I'm sure they got a lot out of it themselves. But you know, it's just not really relevant to 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 the story. Um, well, I'm so sorry. We are out of time. Oh. This is just it's so good. I know it's heartbreaking. <laughs> Listen, can you tell people where, where they can find you if they'd like to learn more? Sure. Uh, I mean, you can go to uh, www.scriptcounseling.com. Okay. And fill out the form and talk to you there and get some more of your great feedback. Yeah, sure. And you can also write to me directly if you want to at dan at scriptcounseling.com. Great. All right. Well, Dan Hoffman, thank you so much for coming on to They Came From Outer Space. You've been listening to WRIRLP 97.3 FM. I'm Cameron Kitt, and Dan, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me.